Hey, welcome to Venue Church. Uh, if we haven't met yet, come on, Canada Day, long weekend crowd. You made it to church. I know somebody's out there watching this online from their camping site. We love you too. We love you too. Um, how are we doing, guys? We good? Oh my goodness, I'm all like ready to go this morning. Welcome to our new series called Shark Week. I'm doing a whole series about the life and times of Jonah. And um, if you feel bad about your life right now, you're going to feel a lot better about it in a minute because Jonah was like a professional church person. And Jonah was, uh, I wrote this down. I thought this was quite clever of me. I wrote this down. I said, Jonah is, um, isn't that funny? It's so clever that I forgot it. Jonah is both refreshingly and depressingly human at the same time. God gives Jonah a message to save a nation that Jonah doesn't want saved. And uh, that says a lot about Jonah. Um, you guys ready to do church? Hey, um, the parade, everybody. Uh, the parade, was that crazy? Like, we had more volunteers at the Canada Day Parade. We, like, descended upon the city. We had more volunteers there than the rest of the city had there, which is awesome. And so, um, and that's just our posture in the city. If, if, if you're new, uh, we're just here to serve in the city. Um, have I introduced myself? I'm Pastor Corey, and we are glad that you're at church today. Uh, there's an all-church barbecue afterwards that our host will announce after. It's like, come and meet some new people and uh, eat some good food, and it's like our Canada Day thing. So we would love if you would come to that. Um, and thank you. I just want to take a minute before we get into summer, really, and, and thank you, generous givers that for a church of five years old, we have a building, we have a shelter, we have a, a house for the Lord here. And I wanna say thank you for generously and sacrificially giving to the Lord so that the Lord's house uh, is the most important thing in our lives. And, um, and I just wanna say thank you. We, we, we thank you for what you've done. It's been above and beyond anything that a pastor could ask you to do. And you just took up the challenge and uh, you did an incredible job. We're also uh, able to, we give a percentage of what we comes in. We give it away to the city, um, to different places uh, nationally and overseas. We feed the poor. I just want to say thank you. I feel like God is proud of you. And I uh, just want to commend our, our generous givers. Um, can I just, the, the last thing is we have, um, we have uh, kids day camps that are happening here, uh, July the 18th. And so, um, so here's what I would say. If there's people in your neighborhood that a year from now, you'd be like, it'd be super cool if we were going to church to, together next year. And uh, this is a great way to reach people who didn't grow up in church as well, is get their kids in a day camp. And then they're just in around church people. They find out that we're not all raving psychos. <laughs> and then you bring them to church and they're like, oh, the pastor's a bit weird. And, um, but then if you like want to see them sitting beside you at church a year from now, why don't you invite their kids to summer camp? And uh, why don't you, I would say even go beyond, like there's a $25 registration for four days. So why don't you just go ahead and take care of that for them as well and just be like, hey, I'll pay that for you if you want to come. You know, it's just that generosity. And, um, and get, get that in every Facebook group in the city that you're in because the more kids that we get in turned on to life in Jesus, the fewer screwed up adults that I have to talk to. Come on, say amen, Vinny Church. Wouldn't it be awesome if God got a hold of them when they were like five and when they were like 10? And uh, save them a lot of time in this life. And it's not that I don't love you. I do. But some of you are a bit of a mess. Um, we're talking about a mess called Jonah. Thanks, Sean. We're talking about uh, Jonah in a sermon I've called the Jonas Brother. Um, some of y'all got crushes on musicians, which is a little weird because you're never going to meet them. 
This is a, a, a Jonas brother. Uh, Jonas being another form of the word Jonah. I just thought that that was hilarious. Um, and this uh, series is, a, a, you know, to the skeptic out there, I would say you're like, well, it's, it's, look, I've heard the story of Jonah and the whale. We would say it's a big fish. I've heard the story about that, and that's just impossible. Can we talk about religions that are more plausible, please? Not like resurrections from the dead and worldwide floods and... And to the skeptic, I would say, I don't know, smashing a bunch of rocks together and creating life, that seems like a whole... Yeah. <laughs> seems like that would take a lot of faith, too. Not that it couldn't happen, but I feel like uh, sometimes we read the book of creation. You go outside every morning and you look at the complexity, and we read the book of creation and then deny its author, and we're like, this book wrote itself. Yeah. Or like, we're the pinnacle, we're the accidental intelligent pinnacle of human creation. <laughs> Sorry, not uh, evolution. Right, but I think that there's a hand in behind guiding it because nothing moves from, from, from chaos to order without a force behind it. Like your kid's room won't clean itself by smashing rocks together in there. <laughs> right, so, so, but also, but subconsciously I get it's easier to have like a religion uh, that stamps science on everything. Although science is just the observation of what has been created and science still hasn't created anything out of nothing, if I could just say that. But it's the observation of that and I think that it would take a longer stretch for a world that maybe didn't have an author. Can we say that? But if it has an author, then you're important and God wants to write you into that story. And so, um, so um, let me talk about sharks a little bit. Does anybody have a favorite animal? Is your favorite animal a shark? Is anybody's favorite animal a shark? That's weird, dude, something wrong with you, man. My brother's favorite animal was a shark. And I'm like, most people go for dogs and things like that, you know? Um, but sharks, my brother said like, I'm like, why do you like sharks so much? He said, well, they're like deadly. And something about feeding frenzies. I'm like, dude, there's something wrong with you. But our entire uh, sermon series is Shark Week about the life of Jonah. You know, I made the mistake one time, Pastor Aaron and I, we, we uh, used to go to Cuba. And on the plane ride over to Cuba, I watched a documentary about how they found the world's biggest shark off the coast of Cuba. And then they showed pictures of this. And then Pastor Aaron's like, you wanna come snorkeling with me? And I'm like, no. She's like, it would be a great way to connect. I'm like, why don't we connect later and I keep my arms? You know, like, I watch movies. Anybody watch shark movies? It's like shark, shark. I'm watching a shark movie right now. Like, I watch too many shark movies, right? And so, and so, um, how do you think she would react if I was like, hey, I watched this documentary about sharks and I don't want to put my head under the water. Have you ever put your head under the water out in the ocean? There's some weird stuff down there, right? And I did that. I'm like, there's weird and there's sharks everywhere probably. And I'm not doing this anymore. But, but Erin, she loves to just snorkel around. She'll, she'll snorkel for miles under there. It's, she loves it. Now, how do you think she would respond if I'm like, hey, because I watched something about sharks, I don't want you to snorkel anymore, right? Because she, all, she all seems all nice. Well, let me ask you this question as we start this sermon series off, because we're gonna find this in the life of Jonah. What's your natural reaction when somebody asks you to do something that you don't like? What do you like as a person? What do you like? What do you like? And do we got any opposite people? I'm like an opposite folk. So if you ask me to do something, I'm like, all I'm hearing is I want you to do the exact opposite of what I just said right now, just to prove that you're a big deal, you know? We got any opposite people in the house? COVID was hard on opposite people. There's a lot of rules. 
You can amen me a little bit opposite people. It's okay. Listen, the, the, I was in Walmart like three times in all of COVID. You know what was difficult for me about Walmart is that they put arrows on the ground telling me which way to walk. That's hard for opposite people. And my wife is like a rule follower. We have any rule followers in the house? She's a huge rule follower. Airports freak her out because there's so many rules. Right? She's afraid of landing in airport jail or something. I'm like, I don't think that's a thing. I don't think it's a place. And I feel like we're, if we're in the wrong line, somebody will say something, right? And so um, she's a rule follower, just not like in our house. But she's like a rule follower. So there was this huge thing in, in COVID of I'd walk into grocery stores and be like, what are those things? They're arrows on the ground. They're telling you which way to walk. I'm like, what? And so we're walking past an empty aisle and I'm, I, I, I'm helping Erin. She's like, we need chips. And I'm like, well, they're right there. She's like, whoa, wait, you can't go up there because the arrow's in the other direction. I'm like, what? Come on, opposite people, help me, help me preach it. What? I'm like, you want me to walk around all this other aisle? You want me to walk all the way around this? Pass a bunch of people with COVID? And then walk up this aisle. There ain't nobody in this aisle. This doesn't even make any sense. She's like, you can't, well, you're gonna get in trouble. I'm like, who's gonna get me in trouble? The person stocking the, the grocery store? At Walmart, is gonna what? Throw me in Walmart jail, right? It's all about like Walmart jail, airport jail, I don't know, the bank jail. So I just did what, did anybody do this in, in COVID? I was like, the chips are in this aisle. And I'm just like, here. You happy? Are we good? Are we safe? Are we doing this? <laughs> I gotta say, COVID was a bit hard on rule followers as well. I'm gonna talk about maybe a deficiency in your soul that, that the past two years have exposed inside of you. Because when, when, when you're asked to do something that you don't like, your natural reaction to it. And uh, I'm thinking, what's your natural reaction to it? We got like the rule followers. Your natural reaction is like, hey, I'm just gonna like, try to make everybody happy and try to. Got the, any peacemakers in the house? I just want everybody to be okay. I'm just gonna do whatever everybody says. Then we have like the, the passive aggressives. We got any passive aggressives in the house? You can do it. Somebody better raise your hand or I'll like, oh. You can raise the hand of the person beside you if you know. Right, right. The, the other service was a little more honest than you were. But even then, you know, if you're passive aggressive and that's your struggle, you know, like your hand is in the air and then you're like, I'll get you faster. Just give me four months. I'll be like, what's wrong with that person? Like, hey, remember four months ago? But they'll never say it, right? So you're just like, <laughs> well, you passive aggressive. You think I don't know. Then we have the people, you know, your natural reaction when somebody asks you to do something you don't like, you, be, you do like, be like, fine, I'll do it. But what you really mean is like, I'll do it like 50%. You know, your boss asks you like, hey, can you go and deal with this whole debate? You're like, yeah, I'll do a little. 20, we got any 25 percenters? You're like, yeah, I'll do, I'll go, I'll go in a little bit for you. I'll give you a little. Well, Jonah is kind of like a bit of everything. So if you feel bad about your life because you're a bit of a mess, you're going to love Jonah. You're going to love this story. Um, now, let me ask you this. What's your natural reaction when God tells you to do something that you don't like? I had this whole thing written in here, but then I just crossed it all out. I just erased it all. And I just, I just wrote this down, just three words. When God's like, I don't want you to snorkel there. And because uh, my wife would just, she would just pretend that she couldn't hear me or couldn't speak English. And she would keep snorkeling. I'd be like, could you not listen to me? Like, oh, I didn't hear you. 
out. So it's like, I don't speak English right now, you know? Like, what? No, it's okay. Right? So what do you like when somebody asks you not to, to swim out there because they're sharks? But what do you do when like, God is like, hey, I just don't want you to snorkel there anymore. What do you do? I had this whole thing about all this thing, but I just wrote three words down. It's the same reaction. Yeah, think about your life. It's the same reaction. How you are when somebody asks you to do something you don't like. It's just church people. We get really good at telling ourselves this story. We're, we're like, if Jesus asked me to clean my room, I would. You want Jesus to ask you to clean your room instead of your mom. Well, my mom is flawed. You ever figure out why God gave you a flawed people in your life that you should obey? Because it should be easier, right? Because you're flawed. Is this, not, is this not working? You're like, you want Jesus to ask you to clean your room because you would respect Jesus, but you don't respect your... You respect Jesus to ask you to show up to work on time, but you don't respect your boss because they have problems, right? You know, like Jesus is, is spinning all the planets in order and, you know, got like a million things in the air and the angels are like, hey, Joey wants you to go down and ask him to clean his room. <laughs> is this making any sense? Like if Jesus asked me to, you know, give money, then I would. <laughs> like, oh, so, oh, oh, oh. The angels are like, yeah, Joey wants you to go and tell him to give money because it's the right thing to do. And Jesus is like, I'm kind of busy right now. It's this, you starting to feel the tension? What are you naturally like when you get asked to do something that you don't want to do? Well, it's the same as if God asks you to do it and it's something you don't like to do. It's the same reaction. If you don't know that about yourself, you're not going to set up a system that gets you out of your own stubbornness. You're going to constantly be trapped in your own stubbornness and pride and God resists the proud. I don't want to be somebody that God resists, but if I don't know that about myself, I'm an opposite person. I have to know that about myself. I just decided in COVID, like I had to create a system so that I wasn't out ninjaing people online. Cause I'm like, people are so dumb right now. Like I feel like this is not safe that people are this, but I realized that no, 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 God set up systems for me to get me out of my stubbornness because I don't like being told what to do. Even when it was right, I don't like being told what to do. Come on, somebody. Somebody opposite person. Now, here, no, here, here's another question. What's your natural reaction when somebody you like gets blessed more than you? Like their car is three years newer and you're like, ah. I'm super happy about this because I know I should be cheerful. What do you like when somebody, you know, Jesse and Tia got engaged after, after, hold on. After we made them run through the gauntlet of pre-marriage counseling with Lee and Tammy. Oh, they went through the fire, everybody. We love you that much. But you know, you're like, you're like single and you're like, I wish, right? Somebody else got blessed and you're like, I wish. We got single people in the house? There's more single people than that. Y'all who didn't put your hands in the air, that's why you're single, because you're dumb. Now take a look around, like right here, available. Or, or you watch somebody go through pressure and they're better at it than you are. They don't panic and take a hatchet down to the bottom of the boat to let the water out in the storm. Some of y'all, you do that. You start panicking, you're like, I'm gonna do exactly the opposite of the right thing to do right now. You know, you watch somebody else in pressure and they're just better at it. And, you, and you're like, I don't like it that they're more blessed than I am in that area. Or, uh, 
Like somebody just has a better attitude, even though their life seems harder and they have a better attitude than you. And it creates this weird thing inside of us where we're like, I know I should be better than I am, but I see them and they're doing well and I don't like that. There's something about that I don't really like. You know, it's, it's what I call like my Achilles comparison heel. Um, somebody else struggles. You look at somebody else and they don't struggle to stay clean from drugs and you're struggling. You know what I mean? Well, look, I think everybody's got an addiction to something. I, if we're honest, I think we're all addicted to something. It could just be a terrible, terrible attitude that's just as destructive. But I think that you look and you're like, well, they don't struggle with this thing and I struggle with this thing. And that's what I'm, you know, some of us just struggle with stubbornness, you know, or, or somebody's just getting, being blessed in their career and you're just not there yet. And. My Achilles heel, you know, I'm a pastor, so this gets really weird. You want it inside my brain for a little bit? There's some weird stuff in there. So when you plant a church, you tend to compare your church plant with other church plants, right? So Venue is five years old, and God has blessed us. Until I open Instagram and look at other churches, and I'm like, they have way better looking people. I just wanted to get a cheap laugh and just see what you would do. And your response, if I'm honest, is a little immature. They... <laughs> I mean, you just look and you're like, oh, it looks like their building is full. You know, like, oh, it looks like everything is great. You remember I went to Toronto a couple weeks back. I'm like, God, why do you want me to go to Toronto? I'll tell you at the end. I finally figured it out. It takes a little while. Sometimes you just got to go and then God will show you. Right? And so I've, I, I got it now. I got it. But I'm like, I'm going to like four out of five of the pastors that I met with there had church plants about our age. Right. And I'm like, I'm looking online. And at every point during those times, I thought that, that their church babies, church people are funny. And like pastors are funny. Like when we had, when we had our, we have four girls, our daughters, when we had our, our daughters, what we're not hoping is that they'll be the biggest kids. You know what I mean? The biggest babies. Right, but when you're a church plant, you just want the biggest baby. You want the fattest baby, right? You want a baby that's so big, you need like a bigger child seat. Or you want you want you want your church baby so big that you're like, I need adult diapers. That's how big my, that's how big my baby is. It's weird, right? We're just like we just want a big baby. We just want lots of bodies in the room. We're not asking like, is it healthy? Because when we have our, our normal kids, I'm not like, I wish that our one was literally the biggest baby in the whole world. I want my baby so big that you're like, oh my goodness, that's a big baby. That baby's so much bigger than my baby, right? I said it was weird, this church body baby, right? This comparison thing, when God, when it appears, no, I found out that, that they weren't necessarily more blessed than us, but it sure looks like that. And, and how do I feel when God blesses somebody, when God blesses your neighbor more than you, when God blesses and you're going through a struggle that you don't think that they're going through? Well, they're probably going through a different struggle, but the enemy just kind of like, it's our Achilles comparison deal. Now, what's your natural reaction? Ready? When God tells you to bless somebody that you don't like. How we react when God tells us to bless someone we don't like can be pretty petty. We have no problem with our enemies blessing us. You, you'll quote the scripture like, God, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So when I go to my family reunion, God. Y'all don't have extended family. When I go to that work meeting, when I go to her engagement party, you know what I mean? Like, God, I want them to bless me. But God's like, okay, why don't you bless them? And you're like, yeah, no, I'd rather, rather not. Um, 
See, loving your neighbor is one thing. Loving people who love you back is one thing. But loving your enemy? That's something in there that, that self-preservation doesn't want to do, right? Self-preservation. Now, God gives Jonah a blessing for somebody that he hates. And Jonah is like a professional Christian. I mean, this is before Jesus, but he's a professional church person. He's supposed to be the best. He was like the prophet of Almighty God. And he's supposed to be the best. And we see in Jonah that there are all four of our reactions that we're laughing about. He had all of them. And how God uh, moves Jonah still to do his will, but how God is trying to do a work in Jonah. See, it's not really about... It's not really about what God wants you to do tomorrow. It's about where he wants you in 10 years, but he can't get you there without doing the thing he wants you to do tomorrow. See, you're, you're like, well, God, if you can show me that this is going to bless me somehow, then I'll do it. And God's like, it will, but if I showed you that, you wouldn't do it because you want to take a shortcut there. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how, how wicked its people are. Now, Jonah knows that God only reveals what he wants to heal. So Jonah knows that, like, that he's not just going to announce judgment against it, but God would only have him announce judgment against it if God wanted to restore Nineveh. Right? Because it's, it's why that we preach the way that we preach out of the word of God. And you can come and, and if we're immature, we can be like, well, you're just pointing out all of our problems. No, no, no. Your sin separates you and God wants you back together. So, so there's no forgiveness of sins if you don't ask. And there's no need to ask if you're not doing anything wrong. And there's no togetherness until we deal with the sin issue between us. And God only brings up sin in your life because he's like, hey, I want us to get back together. Can we get back together? But it's not going to work if you don't think that you're attitude is a problem if you don't think that this is a, if you don't think your spending is a problem if you don't think that the way that you talk to people if you don't think that it's a problem then we can't get back together and Jonah knows this but Jonah doesn't like Nineveh and um, I had some weird dreams this week <laughs> if you're new to church you're like where's this gonna go <laughs> I don't know I watched that like a like a drug cartel movie I know it sounds like unholy and it was a little scary, but I was watching this, like this kind of like, you know, it was, it was maybe violent and I'm watching this movie and then, and then our ratings lock one night killed the TV at 1125 at night and my TV shuts off and I'm like, oh my goodness, no. And I had super weird dreams. And then the next day I'm, or the next day or the next two days I'm preparing for my sermon and I'm like, why does God, why does he talk about Nineveh? So I started like Googling, do not let your kids Google this. Do not let your teenage boys Google this. It's so alarming. I'm like, why? So I Googled like 7th century BC Assyria. And then I like read through some of the, how bad these people were. And I'm like, it makes my drug cartel movie look like kindergarten. I'm like, the stone tablets of what they did to be, I'm just like, oh my goodness. And then I had even worse dreams preparing the sermon for you. So you're welcome. And so I'm like, okay, Jonah, I get, I get why you're dark. Like, I get you now. Because Jonah's like, wipe them out, God. These people are nuts. They're crazy. Judge them. I don't want to go. I don't want to see them free. And, uh, Jonah got up and he went in the opposite direction. You got any opposite people? He's like, we're going opposite direction. He goes to, to, it says he went down to the port. He found a ship leaving for Tarshish. Um, if it was a plane, it'd be a little bit late nowadays. 
shout out to the government or whatever. Um, but he, he bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape by going to um, Tarshish, which is current present-day Spain. So he's like, you know what, the heck with this. I'm going to buy my own ticket and go on a vacation in Spain. You know, like, it's a pretty good deal, right? The funny thing is, when God calls you to go someplace, he'll pay the ticket. But if, but if you try to run, you get to pay it. And so he had to buy his own ticket here. And it says, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. So there's like different types of storms. Um, some storms are just like, because there's storms and the world is broken. Some people, we don't understand maybe why. We're like, how can God be loving and God be good and all the bad things to be happening in the world? And so can I just give you like just a second about this? Because God gave the world to Adam and Eve. And he's like, hey, you're going to have dominion over this world. So it's going to be your world. Now I can help you with that. And we're like, no, thanks. We're going to give it to the devil. What, is what happened? We're like, oh, that's great, dad. But we'd rather have a different dad. And so we gave the world to the, the enemy. And the enemy and sin has been destroying it ever since. And so God comes in. But God can't come in without man's involvement. Because he gave the world, right? So, so, so he sends Jesus in the form of man. And, and only where the local church is, really, is where the redemptive work starts happening. And in every society that Christianity is in, life gets better for everybody. Right, so he is redeeming, but he still gave a gift, and he doesn't take the gift back. Does that make sense? And so, um, and so, so there's different types of storms. There's just the storm of called brokenness, where people get sick and die, and sin affects people. So there's the brokenness of that, that the world is just a broken place. And sometimes it rains and sometimes the sun is out. And then there's this other kinds of storms that happen because, because you're running in the opposite direction from where God wants you to go. And you're like, why is my life so hard? And God is like, cause you're going in the wrong direction. You know, then you sit there and get mad at God. Christians are great at getting angry at God about like, why am I so broke? And God's like, go into your garage and look at the thing you bought. Like it's all there, right? Why is my fridge empty? Because it's in your car, you know, or it's in your, or you spend $40,000 watching the flames go, you know what I mean? Like, so, oh, is that hit close to home? I'm not going to make eye contact with any of the guys out there. No, no, I'm just like, you're like, and so the ship is breaking apart, fearing for their lives. Their desperate sailors shouted to their gods. The, the venue women asked me to preach that about the flames thing. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I just made that up. <laughs> There's a way too loud laughter coming over here, and I'm not going to make eye contact because I'm friends with both of everybody. Um, fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. So when there's a storm in your life, everybody shouts out to their god. Somebody shout out to, like... I mean, everybody shouts out to their god, like, government save me! Government's like, we're god? Um... Have you seen our decisions? You know what I mean? But like, I mean, there's this, who you look to save you. Healthcare? Listen, there's some great healthcare people out there. I don't know any of them, but they, I do. I just keep sh shooting arrows over there. No, no, but they can't save, they're not God. They can't get you to heaven. Don't put that on somebody. Some of us, like our version of God and Jesus is so small and weird. We're like, save me, baby Jesus. And Jesus is like, I'm not a baby anymore. Like, I'm not Christmas baby Jesus. Save me. My neighbor got a bigger car than I did. Save me. He's like, well, that's not what saving is really all about. You could save. Ooh. Saving. Holy Spirit just dropped that in me right now. You didn't respond to that. 
It was going to be judgment venue, church. I thought that was hilarious. I'm still thinking about how... Sometimes people are like, your sermon was so brilliant. And I'm like, fooled you. I had no idea what I was going to preach until the Holy Spirit gave it to me. So. Watch this. All this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. Any panic sleepers out there? Something horrible goes wrong and you're like, oh, I need a nap. That's like what fainting goats do, everybody. Fainting goats. Fainting goats die. They get eaten. I mean, it's weird. Have you ever seen fainting goats, by the way? I need fainting goats just to get my frustrations out. Just open the back door and slam it. That'd be so good for me. Just as a leader of people, I just think that that would be great. Like, hey! Um, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hole. He's sound asleep in the middle of all that confusion and noise. And uh, the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? Like, how is this even possible? Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he'll pay attention to us and spare our lives. You know, there's always one guy on the boat that's not doing, pulling his share. There's always one guy lifting the piano who's doing all the grunting but isn't lifting, right? Like, dude, you could stop grunting. We know you're not lifting. Like, I'm on your side of the piano. I get it. And this is Jonah. Like, Jonah, he's supposed to be the best of them. And he's down just trying to get away from this. And the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods. I don't know what that looked like. Probably like dice or things like that. And uh, had caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. You know? Jonah's just, he's just not doing well right now. <laughs> I mean, like, he's just having a really bad, maybe this was just who he was, but he knows it's him. He's just going to be quiet and let everything go south around him, you know? I feel like this can be us sometimes. Like, we know that there's something wrong, but we just maybe just lack the courage or the community to just say it. Everybody's paying for it. We might as well say it. You know what I mean? Just, like, get it out in the open. So the... Why does this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What's your line of work? What country are you from? What's your nationality? Have you ever read the Bible like it actually happened? Like, try it sometime. Like, this awful storm is breaking our boat to pieces. We're all going to die. What do you do for work? <laughs> I don't care. If you, can, if you can bucket water out of a boat, I don't care what you do for a career. It's just the weirdest thing. Nobody else think about it? Pastor's kids, man. We had all sorts of weird questions. Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And they're like, oh. They're like, uh, one of them is like, I worship the God of the harvest and I worship the God of rain and I worship the God of pleasure and I worship the God of fertility. And Jonah's like, I worship the God of all the things. And they're like, oh, no. Oh, boy. Um, the sailors were terrified when they heard this. He had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it, they groaned. Like, why are you so stupid? <laughs> he had already told them he's running away from the Lord. When? They're good, like getting on the boat. They're getting their deck chairs out. And they're like, hey, I'm going to Spain. It's going to be a nice little vacation. You know, like, what are you doing here? I'm running from the Lord. <laughs> to Spain? Isn't your God like omnipresent and everywhere all at the same time? Isn't he already there? I feel like he's already there. Right? Uh, this, is, this is what happens when you go in the opposite direction from where God wants you to go. 
You start trying to run from God. It's just not a healthy place to be. Since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop the storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said. You know what he's not going to do is throw himself into the sea. I feel like sometimes we'd be better in the sea than in a boat going in the wrong direction. And everything in that storm is like, it would be easy to fall into the sea. And he's going to literally sit there, chain himself there and be like, well, you could throw me in. I feel like God is like, why don't you throw you in? So that they're not guilty, you know? It will become calm again. I know the storm is my fault. Instead, the sailors rode even harder, rode even harder. You know, sometimes unchurched people can act better than church people do. Because these guys are literally trying to save him still. I'd be like, get over the side, man. Like, I'll help you. I'll throw all your stuff in too. But the storm you see was too violent for them. They couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh Lord, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh Lord, you've sent the storm upon him for your own good reasons. You know what's funny? They're not mad at God. Right? Isn't that weird? You don't get that because you're Canadian. And you get mad at God no matter what happens. But they're like, I guess God knows what he's doing. Right? I guess we don't own all of this and we're not the pinnacle of human evolution. You know what I mean? Like it was just it's like, I guess there's God and we're not him. And I guess. Then the sailors picked Jonah up, threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. Come on up, worship. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power. Listen to this. And they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. All these people became believers, even though Jonah was literally the world's worst pastor. Like literally the worst. He had the worst church. And they still were like, hey, we should, this, is, this seems great. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Wait till my next sermon. The song that Jonah wrote inside of a fish. You couldn't write a song in your room. It's just the weirdest thing. How do you write a song inside a fish? Anyways. God needed to kill something in Jonah. Because Jonah had this thing called self-preservation. And if you have self-preservation, you'll never be a good soldier for Jesus. Your life will be all about preserving the things that you think you have. And that's not a life of faith. That's a life that doesn't need something that you can't see yet. It's a life that just believes in the things around you and it becomes like things become your God and your position and your, here's my thing and here's your thing. And, and God needed to kill self-preservation in Jonah. And do you know, can I just give you a step that'll kill self-preservation in you this week? Help somebody who's struggling. Just reach out. I know you're struggling. Help somebody who's struggling. You're like, well, God, but I need the help. And God's like, where do you think the seed for your harvest comes from? Help somebody. Invite somebody over for me. Look, somebody doesn't have the friends that you have. Why don't you bring them into your circle and give them some good Christian friends? Why wouldn't you do that for somebody? Well, I don't know. We don't hang out with people like that. Do it because you're in the wrong church if you don't. You know what I mean? Like, don't forget the mission. Sounds like keep your little group and do it. No, bring people into it. Get people into it. Help people. Help people. Self-preservation. It'll kill self-preservation. Let me end with this. But there's one more thing we need to kill. We need to kill insecurity. How do we kill insecurity? If you're insecure, all of God's blessings will never be enough for you. In fact, you probably don't know the blessings that you already have if you're insecure. I was asking God, like, why did you send me to Toronto? Kill insecurity. 
listen, listen. This is how you kill insecurity. Bless somebody with a fatter baby. Bless somebody with a fatter baby than you have. Bless somebody who's doing better than you are. Because from Instagram, every one of those churches that I went to, you can feel like they're doing better than we are. Well, I get there and I find out that that's not true at all, actually. But I went there just to bless them, be a blessing, be like, hey, I believe in you. Hey, I believe in you. One of the church, churches that started had 600 people at their first service in Canada. And I'm like, we weren't allowed to give out beer to get people to church. That's cheating. You can't. He did. He did. Then I get there and I realize, like, oh, no, he knew a lot of church people. And, oh, okay, the story's not quite. Okay, 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 okay. He's still building church like we're building church right now. But you know what I realized? He's buying property right now. He's doing a building renovation right now. And I'm like, oh, that's our jam. Oh, I can help you. I'm like, send your prince over. I said, I'll give you Scott. Send your prince over. We'll help you. This is what we do. This is what God blessed us. Listen, we're the only church plan I know with five years in who has the building that we have. I realized like, oh, I thought everybody else's baby was fatter. And God's like, it's not about having a fat baby. It's about killing insecurity and using, and you're all are pretty fat. If any church is doing really well, I'm not saying, listen, 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 we're doing well, but it's about the health of the church and when health is for helping. And I realized, oh, that's why you wanted me to go. You wanted to kill my insecurity so that I can just help somebody who I think is doing better than I think. Can I say worship at its heart? Worship kills insecurity. Why? Because we bless God who looks like he's doing better than we are. And sometimes we come to church and we're like, why would I bless him? I need his help. You know what? I realize the only way to be lifted up is to lift up your arms, bless the Lord, and say, help. You're the only one. And that's who he lifts up.